Well, I'm excited to, to talk to you tonight. Before we get into it, I'm just going to quick, I'm going to quick pray. So, uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. Uh, I thank you that your presence is here, God, and that, God, we don't want to play church. Uh, we don't want to play religion. We don't want to play or act out anything, God. We simply, God, we simply want to know you, this creator of the universe, who while at the same time knows each individual human being, knows them by name, God knows their DNA, knows their purpose. God, we want to know you because you are the most wonderful, the, the most loving, the most just, the most kind uh, a person who's ever lived. So God, we just place our focus and our attention on you and off of religion, off of distraction, off of our past. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many know if it's e really easy to get caught up in the vortex of religion? So it's going to be... Uh, it's like this crazy gravitational pull that whenever you start running after Jesus, there's like all these religious bombshells that come and they'll throw themselves at your way. So you come to church, instead of being a normal human being, people will ask you how you're doing and you'll be like, I'm just so blessed. <laughs> and it's like, what is, stop. I know what you're saying. I know you're well-intentioned in your attitude, but so many times we put on this religious facade instead of being a normal human being. And so when we read the Gospels, when we read the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, the, the, the descriptions of Jesus' life, we do not, what we do not find is someone who is religious. Like, he is the farthest thing away from religion. Okay, there's a story in the, in the New Testament where Jesus where Jesus gets asked to go to a Pharisee's house, okay? So if you don't know, a Pharisee is a religious person who, it'd be like a, a pastor or, or, a, or it'd be like a, an elder, or it's just these, these religious people who are very intellectual. Get, Jesus gets invited to, to one of their houses, and, 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 and these religious people are, are super formal, and, and, and they always wash their hands. And like, so they're like, they're like always washing their hands. And Jesus, knowing the religious spirit, he walks in, like looks at the basin, and is just like, walks right by it. And the Pharisees are like, so you don't wash your hands? Righteous people wash their hands, don't you know? Don't you, don't you read the Torah, the law? And, and Jesus basically goes on to question them and just like, drops these bombs on him, showing that religion is so dead. So I don't know where you're at in your journey of, of faith, but I want to share with you that Jesus is so much better than religion. He's so much better than, than simply following the rules. Now, the rules and the laws and the morals are very important. But once you know the person, this, this magnificent person whose name is Jesus, all the rules, like, they get, like, swept in with them. It's like, because once you know Jesus, you, you, you fall in love with him. You start to, in a sense, fear him in the sense of you do not want to let him down and you want to obey, and you want to, 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 to change, and you want to become this person that God's called you to be. And that's what relationship does. Religion will never get you that. You'll try to stop this sin, try to stop this sin, judge other people because you conquered that sin, and they're still in it, so you start judging them. You come to church, put on the clothes, and you're like, yay, I'm doing well, I stopped this, did that, still struggling here, but you know what? Like, we're all good because I think I'm going to heaven. And G like God is so much, like God did not send Jesus so that we could play religion. Like Jesus came so religion would be abolished once and for all. And that's, uh, 
And so as, as we get into tonight, I just want us to really hone in on, on the person, the rela- personal relationship that comes um, with, with this Christianity. So, so amazing. Um, so uh, if you were here last week, Mike Benson was here, and he, and he, uh, he just uh, preached and, and just really inspired me to, to live a lifestyle of everyday Christianity, knowing that God's power is in me, and that Jesus wants out, and that he comes to set people free, and that God wants to desperately know you and for you to know him so that you can be free from depression, anxiety, and the likes, addictions. So one of the things I just want to share with is just a, is just a highlight from last week that I want us to keep on the forefront of our minds. So there was about 60 people, 50 people who came up for prayer, and uh, many of you for, for things like anxiety, depression, and, and Mike was praying for you to, to be free from it in a moment. And I totally believe that God can free people from depression in a moment. Like God is so powerful. But I think God, God takes greater pleasure in a journey of healing than in a moment of relief. And so wherever you're at in that journey, I don't want you to feel like, okay, I went up there and now I have to be free. Listen, it's okay if you still feel those feelings because Jesus is still able to heal you and he often wants to take you on a personal journey where he meets you and grows you as an individual as opposed to coming up for a Hail Mary pass and hopefully it goes away. So, no, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, that's beautiful. I, I, there's a testimony that I have the, of two years ago where we, we t- were talking about um, miracles, and this girl came up to me. She's like, I've been depressed for like three years. Or no, not three years. It was like seven years. I've been on antidepressants and anxiety. And I said, well, can I just pray for you? And I prayed for her. Didn't hear from her for six months. She came back to me six months later and said, Jake, as soon as you prayed for me, it never came back. And I'm like, praise God. But praise God for the person who goes to God and says, God, I know you're able, and actually goes through a process of relational healing that takes place over time. Like, I'm all for God coming in in the moment, but that moment should lead us into relationship. That moment should lead us into a pursuit of the person who we met up here. It shouldn't lead us into a place where we're now depressed three months later, so we feel like we have to come back to church, come to the altar, cry out to God, and hopefully this Hail Mary pass works. It's the relationship that matters. And Holy Spirit is here, okay? This is the Holy Spirit's job, not to give you goosebumps. (laughs) I feel the goosebumps too, guys. Like, they're, they're amazing. Like, when you're like, oh, God's here, right? But he's not here to give you goosebumps. He's here to make you look like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's here to make us look like Jesus, not just in worship. He's, made us, he, he's here to make us look like Jesus at home at 11 p.m. when we're on our phone in our bed alone. He, he's here to make us look like Jesus when we're at work and our boss is a jerk. And makes it, it, it's continually just ragging on. He wants to make us look like Jesus then. Because guess what? Like, to be honest, I don't really care how you act in church. I don't. Because guess what? That's like one hour a week. I can act for one hour a week. Like Jesus is not about you behaving in church. He's about you shining in the world and shining in the bedroom. Shot in the bedroom, oh my God. <laughs> in the secret place. If you're married, shining in the bedroom, okay? Okay, take that one out of the recording, okay? I apologize all you online, Okay. <laughs> So, 
Okay. Whew. I meant in like the seeker place when like no one's around and like, you know what I mean? Okay. Whew. You guys, okay. You guys, it makes sense? Okay. I misspoke. I didn't mean that. Okay. I spoke on Sunday evening and, and I was talking about my relationship with Abby when we were dating. I said, we were breast friends. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Misspoke. Making all these mistakes. Lord, forgive me. I promise. <laughs> uh, okay, have a great night, everyone. We're done. <laughs> Hey, uh, so uh, that, that was kind of my prelude, just my message from last week. Um, so within all of the ministry time that was going on, you know, we had, uh, seriously, people were falling over because of the power of the Holy Spirit. God was really meeting with people in powerful ways up here. And I know for some people who are new or unfamiliar with church culture, <laughs> um, that seems a little bit weird. And so what I wanted to do is after service, if you have any questions about what was going on last week, after service, I wanted to be hanging out over here, and I'm just here to answer any questions that you have. Because that's not, that's not like, it's weird when it looks from the outside, but God, God does like crazy things, right? And so we don't want you to be confused and make it be a stumbling block. So I'll be over here after service to answer any questions. And if you weren't here, don't worry about it. Um, so when you throw up, that, throw up that first picture, so I want to talk tonight about, uh, so finding... Uh, finding the beauty in broken things. Finding the beauty in things that are unwanted. And we have a phrase here that we live, that a cultural expression is called find the gold. So within, within life, within our world, there's a lot of messiness and, and negativity, but we can find the beauty out of the brokenness. So this is, these are just different uh, pieces of art that are made from uh, recycled material. So this is a lion that's made from sandal or flip-flops. And so someone recycled a bunch of flip-flops and they, they created this line. You can go to the next one. So this is an elephant all made from household items. So there's a, like a full mannequin, like as the tail, that's pretty weird. Sorry for the immodesty. <laughs> so that's an elephant made from all sorts of household items. Then go to the next one. This is a, I thought that was just hilarious. I just thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> There's this, this is made just from all scrap wood. So he goes in, in all this different uh, construction sites, collects scrap wood, and makes art from it. So I just think there's something very uh, redemptive about taking things that others would throw away and, f and creatively looking at what it can be made from them and what can be made from what's thrown away. And I, I personally, I'm just so impressed by God and his ability to find beauty in anything. Like I'm so impressed by God's ability to look beyond the surface. Because like so many of us, like, like I, I, sometimes we just can't help it. We see people, we judge each other. We're like, okay, you're wearing that outfit. Okay, yeah, yeah, you wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, you're wearing a backwards hat. Mm. So in church, what are you thinking? I'm kidding. That's a religious spirit if you didn't know. And so we judge each other based on the surface and I'm just so impressed how God never actually does that. Like, we, ha we have these actions, we make these decisions, we do have these attitudes, but God always seems to be able to see the bigger picture, and not just the bigger picture, the bigger, more beautiful picture. 
And so you can see this all throughout the entire Bible about, about how God does this. We see it first in Genesis 1-2. It says, now the earth, so this is the creation of the world. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the sur surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we get this picture of the earth before God created, that it was dark, it was empty, it was formless. And then God spoke, and in, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's like, it means like breath, like he spoke with his breath. And with that breath came the creation of the universe, the earth, the, 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 the animals, the waters, and last of all, humanity. And so we see that God's ability to take something that is formless, void, broken, and dark, and with his breath, it actually turns into something that's beautiful. Like, who loves the earth? Like, we need tree hugger. I mean, not tree huggers, but who loves the eye? Like, like, who, like, a few years back, we went to Yosemite National Park with a group from Access, and we got to see, like, the North Face. We got to see Half Dome, and it's just so much more beautiful than Michigan. Michigan, like, I love Michigan, but, like, it just kind of sucks when you go out there. You're like, like, God, what, did, what were you thinking when you made Michigan? <laughs> no, I love Michigan. Take it back. Take it back. No, I love, like, I love Michigan. Um... No, but, but when, I, when you go out there, just, it's just the mountains and the creation. And, and, and you, have, you have like the Rocky Mountains. You have Niagara Falls. You have so many beautiful, beautiful, uh, uh, just different landscapes throughout the earth. And, and then you realize when you read the Bible that the earth is actually cursed. That because of sin, the earth is only a shadow of how God had created it to be. And so if they're like, man, like, if this is the cursed, like, version of the earth, can you imagine, like, what the earth was intended to actually look like? And this is what God does, is he takes things that were formless and he makes them beautiful through his spirit, which is his breath. So he speaks, and through his, his, his voice and his intention and his blueprint, it comes to life. And so then we continue, see, we see this in the, in the, in the, story of creation, later on in Genesis, there's this, he has this like lump of dirt, okay? And this lump of dirt has two arms, two legs, and a head, and a, and a, and a body. And it's just a lump, it says he forms Adam out of the dust of the ground. So he takes, he made the earth, and then he takes a part of the earth, you can imagine, this is probably not how it actually went, but, so he takes the dust, and he forms his body, so he has this, this human-like figure with no life. And so it's literally a, 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 a clump of dirt, and God breathes into his lungs. And now this piece of dirt becomes a living being who's actually created in the image of God. Are you seeing this? So God's ability to see things that are, it's just a clump of dirt, a lump of dirt, but through his ability to see beyond what is physical, beautiful things come out of things that are not so beautiful. And we see this, we see this thing continue where 
he, Adam's in the garden and, and, and like he's alone. And God's like, yo, it's not good, Adam, for you to be alone. You need someone to be with you. These animals, they're beautiful, but you need someone, a companion. You need a companion to help me. And so he puts Adam into a deep sleep. This is Genesis, creation story of Adam and Eve. And so can you imagine this? Out of his rib, so God pulls the rib, and out of a rib, he forms woman. Like, can you see God's creativity? Do you see God's ability to make something that is so beautiful and, and something that's so rich and valuable out of something that seems so insignificant? And God has this ability, it's in his nature as a creative God, as a beautiful, redemptive God, to take things that are broken and make them beautiful. And so we see this over and over and over again. We see it in, in, in people's lives, people like Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute. She is a prostitute in one of the cities that the Israelites were supposed to conquer in the Old Testament. And because of her faith, because she believed in the God of Israel, God actually saved Rahab and her family's life. And she is a descendant, or she is in the family lineage. If you go in Matthew and read the lineage of Jesus, Rahab is in that line because of her faith. And so just because she had a past, it didn't, make her, it didn't disqualify her for God's purpose for her life. And that's a message that so many people need to hear, is that you have this past, and it passes so dirty, and your past almost defines you, and you almost hold on to your past because your past is your past, and no one can take your past from you. But I have a message for you. Jesus bought your past. And sometimes we can get so chain-linked to our past and identify ourselves by what's happened to us or our decisions that we can never walk forward in freedom. Listen, if Rahab would have stopped and said, you know what, I'm just a prostitute, I'll always be a prostitute, who knows what happened to her when she was a young girl, you know what, but she saw the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She saw this God who was real and who, who moved on behalf of his people, and she said, I can believe in a God like that. And because of her faith, her future was secured. Not because of her past, it didn't disqualify her. It's because of her faith. God takes broken people. He takes broken situations. He, take, he takes broken mentality. He takes, he takes broken emotions. And anything that God breathes on can be turned to beautiful, can be turned into life-giving and peace-filled and free. Whew. God is amazing. You see this with Jesus. So this person, right, this, this, this man, he's a leper, not a leopard, a leper. <laughs> I remember when I was a young kid, I'd always be like, man, those leopards. <laughs> Jesus loves leopards. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a leper? Okay, okay. Uh, it's, that's more clear now. So Jesus is, is, is meets this leper. And it's a, it's a terrible skin disease, and their ears will fall off, noses will fall off. It's this terrible skin disease. And, and culturally, it was very, it was very like, it, it's not a good to be a leopard. You were considered unclean, and you could not associate with anyone other than other lepers. And so when you walked through the city, you literally had to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. And everyone around you would just be like, like run away from you. 
So often, when you got uh, diagnosed with leprosy, you wouldn't touch anyone literally for your whole life because no one was allowed to touch you. Because if they touched you, they were considered unclean and then they were no longer able to, to have their sins forgiven. And so like nobody wanted to touch these lepers. And then Jesus comes and there's this leper who cries out and says, uh, Jesus the Messiah, uh, will you have mercy on me and heal me? And, and while all the Pharisees were watching, talking about this religious spirit again, all these Pharisees were watching. And now if Jesus touches this leper, like he's considered to be unclean and he's no longer able to enter into the synagogue or into the temple because he's unclean. And Jesus kneels down. He kneels down to this leper and he actually touches him. Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. But can you imagine? Never or not having physical touch from another human being for years on end to never touching another human. And then this man, Jesus, filled with compassion and love, seeing the brokenness and the physical like uh, embarrassment that this person has because of their condition, and this person, Jesus, sees the brokenness on the outside, but sees that there's a redemptive solution to the problem at hand. Jesus sees something different than what everyone else is seeing. Jesus bends down and touches the man. He says, be clean. And in a moment, all of his skin is healed, like instantly. And the Pharisees are like, you touched the leopard. And he's like, yo, I just healed the leper." And it's that religious, but you can see how God is in the business of taking nasty, broken situations, situations that are dark and formless, uh, 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 pasts that are dark, and once he breathes and touches them, they instantly start to change their root system into the life that gets taken and brought to that individual. Okay, I'm, I'm giving you so many examples because this is literally the story of the Bible. It's called Redemption. This is a story of the Bible, which is called new life. This is the story of the gospel, which is the resurrection power. And so we find this again. We see it in that. No, we find it again with us. In Romans 5.12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So literally, every one of us have sinned. Every one of us are, are, are left to ourselves are eternally in big trouble. But although our bodies are still alive, the spirit part, the eternal part of us is disconnected from God and, and, and it's literally like a blackout. It's literally, Romans 5 says, everyone is totally disconnected and dead on the inside. Like dead. And there's no hope unless the Father draws you in. There's no hope unless God actually chases you. You guys know reckless love, like leaves and I. Like unless God like runs you down and starts softening your heart to the message of the gospel, which is lay down your life and receive the life that Jesus has for us. So we're dead, broken on the inside, literally hopeless, blacked out, dead because of sin. And then we see this. Although we're still made in the image of God, like in Genesis 1, we still have God's image. That spiritual component is blacked out. And then it says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. So we see this pattern once again, which is people who are dead, situations that are broken, uh, uh, formless and empty and dark things. It says, while we were still yet sinners, Christ saw something in us. He saw something in humanity that said, if I can get my breath inside of them, then they will change. If I can get my breath, my life, my love, my truth inside of their hearts, their hearts will turn from stone to flesh. Their lives will turn from selfish to love. Their lives will change from depressed to free. If my breath and my truth can get infused into their hearts and into their minds, everything a part of their life will become beautiful. And it's not because we're good people. (laughs) It's not because we're like, oh yeah, like logically this all makes sense. No, it's because God's redemptive plan and his pursuit of each one of us, that when his breath and his life gets infused into us, every part of us, when we say yes to Jesus, gets flipped and turned and our whole life becomes different. It's called being born again. And so this is God's pattern. This is God's pattern. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He takes things. And by breathing, when we say yes, when we put our faith and hope in Jesus and his resurrection, when we say yes to that, his spirit gets infused inside of us. And now we have the breath and life and spirit of God that lives inside of us. And now God has something to work with. So he's turning us and building us. And the whole point of tonight is, is, is this, this idea of finding the gold and how as, as, as we build a culture of encouragement with each other, the only reason that we do this is because God is so good at it himself. And that we don't look at the surface, but we look deep into the spiritual. We look deep into discernment. We look deep into purpose. And we don't, we don't let these physical things matter more than what God says. So this is God's pattern, making broken things beautiful. Broken things beautiful. And I want to stop for a moment and share how, <laughs> share a picture with you. Not a picture, I'm just going to uh, describe a picture. That really our, our, our lives, so... How many of you like heard the songs that are like, you know, like, I surrender all. Like, and then like you went to youth group and then at youth group, the youth pastor gets up there and you're at a conference and he's like, give your life to Jesus. And he's like getting up there and he's like, your friends, da, 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 you're hitting it up. And you're like, feel so, and, you're, and then like three people get up and then the next thing you know, all the youth students are like up in the front and they're like, Jesus. And they're all crying, right? You've been there? Maybe if you didn't go to youth group, like, you're like, whoa, I'm glad I didn't go to youth group. (laughs) But this happens so many times where we're like, well-meaning. We're like, God, I surrender. God, I surrender my life to you. But the problem is is that I don't think we actually know how to surrender. (laughs) Like, I think Cy Rogers says it this way. He says, the song should go something like this. I surrender parts of my life at times at best. (laughs) Like, Because to say that you can surrender all means that we have the self-awareness enough to surrender all. But the problem is we don't even know what we needed to surrender because if we knew what we needed to surrender, don't you think we would have surrendered it already? And the problem is that we can't actually surrender on our own. Because if you try to surrender in your flesh, the flesh reaps destruction. You have to surrender in the spirit, which means you have to know the spirit, which means that it's actually a process like we talked about earlier that you and I have to walk through with God where he actually helps us surrender. 
And listen, we can stop being ashamed and, 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 and we can stop being, stop being contemned about like having struggles and going on a journey because don't you know that God takes us all on a journey? But don't stay in the junk. We don't stay in the brokenness because God always, when God's breath and life is on something, it always turns to beautiful. Always. So I want you to get this picture. I want you to picture that your life, who you are, the inside, your heart, like your spirit person, the inner, the inner person, who you really are, not the flesh, like not this flesh, like you on the inside, okay? You, who you really are is like a house or let's say an apartment complex, okay? You're an apartment complex. An apartment complex, you have like all these different apartments uh, and you have these rooms and you have all these different uh, uh, apartments that are within there and these rooms, apartments have rooms within the rooms. And so like what happens is, is that when we get saved, when we come to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm, I, buy th- I bought that. He says, I bought that. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 6, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? Now, this is, is in the context of sexual immorality and, and sexual integrity. He's saying is, is that your body is a temple, so you cannot, we cannot just use our bodies however we want to because God bought our bodies. He bought who we are. Like, he bought us. And it, so it says, it goes on, it says, you are not your own. <laughs> like, we need to get this, young people. Like there's, like, there's this movement within young people that's like, I got my own rights. Like, I got my own rights. Like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm free. Don't push all your agenda on me, okay? Stop it, okay? Listen, when you follow Jesus, like, he bought you. Like, if you don't like it, then you don't have to follow this man Jesus, but you can, you can understand and submit to it, or you can reject him. That's up to us. But if you want to follow God, you actually have to follow what he says and not just what you perceive or want to hear. You actually have to submit. He says, you are not your own. (laughs) The funny thing is, is that we hate that, but it's the thing that frees us. Because us living for ourselves is what gets us in trouble. We're selfish. We live for ourselves. We're jealous. We're we're, we're gossips. We're all these things. And us living for ourselves is, is the biggest trap in the world. It says, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So you have this apartment complex. He says, I bought that. Like, it's mine. Like, it's mine. I bought it. It has the blood of Jesus. I bought it with the blood and the life of Jesus. And his resurrection now places his spirit. So now what he does with you and I is, I I would wish and hope, because like it's a beautiful imagery. It says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, you are a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, And that's so true spiritually, but emotionally, that's not very true. That when we come to Jesus, we have a lot of junk that we still have to work through. We have a lot of belief systems and sin and, and, and pride and all these things. And so he buys the house. You're mine. You're mine. Literally, just imagine him saying, like, bought that. That's my house. Don't mess with my apartment complex. That's mine. So now what he does, he says, okay, Holy Spirit, I have an assignment for you. You see that apartment complex? I need you to go renovate it. Okay, I want, you to start, I want you to start on the top floor, and I want you to go through each apartment building or apartment room, and I want you to go to each closet. And then once you're done renovating and remodeling and stripping the paint and getting all the nasties out of the closets, I want you to refurnish it and build it up. And then after that one, I want you to go to the next one. 
And then after that one, I want you to go to the next one. Once you hit that top floor, I want you to move down to the bottom floor. So Holy Spirit, your job is to make this apartment complex beautiful. This old, nasty, uh, uh, mice-infested, cockroach-infested apartment complex that he bought, which was your life, now he places his spirit inside of you, and now he does the renovation process. And now some of us are like, okay. <laughs> Listen to this, Second, or 1 Peter 2.5. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house <laughs> to be a holy, pre- holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So God, even though we were sinners, even though we were broken, even though we were nasty, (laughs) Jesus knew that once his spirit gets within us, that every room in our heart, every room in our life will eventually be submitted and will honor God. And in the process, it's our responsibility to be hungry. It's our responsibility to love and have relationship with Jesus. It's our privilege, in a sense, to run after God and say, God, and not to be resentful about the renovations, but to run to him and say, okay, God, you see these rooms? I need help. Holy Spirit, come in however you need to. Do surgery on my heart because there are parts of my life that are not surrendered to you, and I've tried it in the flesh. I've tried it with this. I've tried it with that. I've tried it with church, but even church doesn't fix it, Jesus. I need you to fix it because I can't fix your problems. I can point you to the one who can. Because he will take every part of our lives. He will take our past. He will take our future. He will take our mistakes. He will take our heartbreaks. He will take every form of our past and he will renovate it into something beautiful. Ephesians 3.17 says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Listen to this. Maybe it's not up there. This, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Interesting. That, that's a, it's a progressive like verb. It's like as you trust in him, he will make his home in your heart deeper and deeper and deeper. But if we don't trust him, he stays on a certain level. And I'm telling you, that's not a safe place to live. Growth is the place because anything that Jesus and the God is breathing on will turn from broken to beautiful. So God will bring any vessel that will trust in, uh, God will bring beauty to any vessel that will trust and move to his leading. God will bring beauty to any vessel that will trust and live to his leading. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. (laughs) That one always gets me every time. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So many people are looking for straight paths. Very few people are willing to submit to God. God, straighten out my life. God, why hasn't this worked out yet? God, listen, we're asking all the wrong questions. 
God's looking to make you into a beautiful representation of him. And if we're so focused on these other non-important things, he's like, yo, like you got to submit to me. Like submission to God is the first step. And I'm not trying to condemn or be hard. I'm just saying this is the hard truth. This is the, the beautiful freedom that's found in God. It's not a hard rule. It's the freest place we'll ever live is in submission and relationship to God. <laughs> it says later on, do not be wise in your own eyes. <laughs> Fear the Lord and shun evil. Remember, remember, remember what I said. God will bring beauty to anyone. God will bring beauty to anyone, any vessel that will trust and live to his leading. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's a great promise. And the Holy Spirit makes our life beautiful through our cooperation with him through our cooperation with him. And I want to end, end here with just three quick, uh, three quick points to leave you with. And what I described it as is three soils God brings beauty out of. Okay? Three soils or three conditions of your, your approach and, 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 and perspective of God. Three perspectives, I should say, that God brings beauty out of. Because God can't, remember what I said, any willing vessel. God brings beauty to willing vessels. He doesn't bring beauty to everything. He brings beauty to willing vessels. And the promise is beautiful breakthrough. The promise is beautiful health and freedom. The promise is a relationship with creator God who makes, beauti who makes beautiful things out of broken and dead situations. The first soil is sacrifice. Not a fun word. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, you know like sometimes we're like, God, I'll, you know, we ask these questions that are like, like, you remember like Columbine back in the day where it was like the school shooting was like, you know, they came in and they're like, are you all the Christians and like stand up and then they ended up murdering all the Christians. And I remember when I heard that story, it's like terrible, you know. I remember like, if I was, a, if I was in that, would I have stood up? You know what I mean? Like, would I have given my life for Christ? And recently, as I was reading this, I got a new perspective of giving your life to Christ. How giving your life is not willing to lay down your life. It's willing to surrender the life that you're living. Because when push comes to shove at that moment, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I might, like, I better, because God says if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before God. So yeah, I'm going to say but to surrender my daily life as a living sacrifice to God is much more difficult than saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. Because it's, it's not just a one-time like, shot of courageousness. It's a daily sacrifice and a daily uh, rhythm that I, that I prioritize above all the cares of the world. And God looks at that and he says, I trust him. I trust him. So are we willing to sacrifice our understanding? The question I really felt I had to ask is, are we willing to sacrifice our story? So many of us cling to our past 
And God's like, listen, I paid for that past, and I'm going to make it beautiful, and as long as you're holding on to it, I can't make it beautiful. Will you lay down your past at my feet and pick up the future that I have for you? We've identified with our pain far too long. It's time to start identifying with the truth. Sacrifice, our finances, our priorities, sacrifice. When we sacrifice, it's the soil that God uses to make our lives beautiful, to make our, our hearts, our emotions, and every part of our life beautiful. Next thing is trials. <laughs> You're like, Jake, this is the worst motivational speech ever. First sacrifice, now trials. But this is something that we just don't preach about. Is that James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The only way for us to be mature is to go through trials. And, and I've heard this, I don't know who said it, it was probably Stephen Furtick, but it says, A faith <laughs> that has not been tested cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested that has not been tested, cannot be trusted. And it's so true that trials prove what we believe. And if we'll take these trials and bring them to God and say, hey God, what are you making out of this thing? What beautiful, redemptive, and life-giving story are you writing through this crazy relationship that I'm in, through this terrible family dynamic that I'm living in, through this terrible work environment, through, through the fact that I'm being broke, God, all of these things, through, through, through depression, through anxiety. God, what story are you writing through this trial? And if we'll have that perspective, God will breathe on it and bring life to it over time. It's so beautiful. Really, really quick. Daniel 6. Daniel went in the lion's den. If you've heard the story, if you haven't, go read it. It is like crazy. Daniel 6. Daniel goes in the lion's den. He gets shut in there because these guys were trying to, these guys were trying to literally kill Daniel because of his faith. So he gets thrown into the lion's den. God saves him, and this is an angel. Shut the, mouth, the, the lion's mouth. Literally shut, the, like, can you imagine what that looked like? Gabriel's in there. He's like, <laughs> wrestling with the lions. I don't know. I don't know where my mind went that way. Anyway, so can you imagine that? He goes in there, shuts them on. Like, Daniel comes out. He's like free, right? And the reason that he got thrown in is because there was a decree that said you cannot pray to anyone for 30 days. And Daniel said, screw that. I will never, I will never bow to the fear of man. I love God above all else. No matter what happens to me, I will not stop loving God. It says he throws open his window in the town square and prays so everyone can see him, making a statement that I don't care about my life. I care about pleasing God. The next chapter, Daniel 7, he gets a, a dream which is a revelation of the end times. You're like, oh, what's the big deal? A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. Daniel proved he was trustworthy in the sight of God. And God saw his willingness to sacrifice and go through trial. And he said, that's someone I can trust with revelation of thousands of years down the line. Some of you are like, God, use me, God, use me. Listen, go through that trial. Show yourself trustworthy. And the last thing is relationship. The third soil that God brings beauty out of. 
John 15, 5 through 6 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is, you guys go read this later on. I wish I could just camp here for another hour. But if you do not remain in me, you are like branches that are thrown away, or a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I am the vine, you are the branches. Third soil that you and I and the beauty and the destiny and the purpose of our lives get brought out of us. The third soil is relationship with God. It's this place of prayer, of closeness, of conversation. It's this place of getting alone where no one's looking and saying, God, I believe. It's this place of, of testing your faith and trusting in God with your finances, with your sexuality, with your singleness. It's about trusting God with every part of our lives. And God says, if you'll, and see, these soils are not separate. They're actually one soil. And that if we don't have all three, we can't, God doesn't move in beauty in our lives. We need, we need sac personal sacrifice that we make for the Lord. We need to embrace the trials that we face. And we need to pursue with our whole heart relationship with this person named Jesus who's resurrected from the dead. And with those, those three soils, God will bring magnificent purpose, beauty, destiny out of your and my life. And we'll start to know the God, creator, We'll start to know Jesus, the resurrected king, in a way that we would never be able to without him. So you guys just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I, I, just, I just thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your life. And God, I, I just pray for, for anyone in this room. I pray for anyone who, here who's, who just feels hopeless. I pray for anyone in this room who feels like their story is too dark. I pray for anyone in this room who feels that their, that their past is, is just too large, God. I pray that you breathe on them, your Holy Spirit right now. Just breathe on their hearts, God, and start showing them a picture of what it looks like for there to be hope and destiny on their life, God. Show them that there's a seed of greatness, a seed of purpose that's on the inside of them that you're breathing on. No matter what we did to, uh, uh, this morning, last night, or last week, God, you are here to meet us. You're here to move in our hearts, to lead us into relationship that's personal, that's real, that's dynamic, that's consistent. God, I just pray, God, for anyone who has dreams in their heart, God, I pray that you stir those dreams up. Stir those dreams. God, I pray for the, for the hopelessness, God, that you instill hope in them, God, and that your Holy Spirit moves in their lives every single day, that there's no one in this room who is a Thursday night or Sunday morning Christian, that every person is led into a daily relationship with you, daily pursuit that involves sacrifice, trials, and relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Thanks, guys.